You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. All we're doing is having a conversation. Oh, I see. All right. Okay. That is that is the yes. entirety of our of our thing. That's it. Yeah, probably. Oh, we're always nice. If I sit here, is Sarah watch the thing? If I sit here, am I still pretty audible? Like, is yeah. it still picking me up pretty good? Um, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna slide over just a little bit. Like, you're loud, so I, say, I am loud. Given that's that you true. usually talk louder than Usu- that, given that I usually really clip the mic 100% of the time, yeah. Okay. We are so excited to have you here with us. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh,. This is this is a big deal for Mississippi College mm-hmm. um, yep. because we're not used to sort of having some music celebrities. <laughs> I was trying to explain to some of my Mississippi buddies, like, they were like, well, is he a big deal musician? I was like, yes, in our world, he's a big deal musician. So we are thrilled to have you here for the week. Yes. Thank you, thank you. How was, your, how was your flight? It was good, no problem, both of them. They were both bumpy and all that, but whatever. You staying at Latimer? Yes. It's nice. It's, it's very pleasant. Yeah, we, we put uh, everybody there when we do our faculty interviews, right. and, and it's, it's, it's a nice... Uh, yeah, so we have, no, we have no format for our... Uh, and this is not an interview. I want you to... I want to be... We'll probably ask you some questions, okay. but this is, this is not an interview. Normally, we sit in here, and, 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 and we sort of... The, the concept of our podcast started that um, uh, I do some interdisciplinary research with the medical center, and, and I'm also a singing teacher and a singer and, and, and this kind of thing, and... And um, they were going to be helping me with with a project we were going to do, and <laughs> which we're actually which we're actually still waiting on uh, approval to run. It's been a very long sort of t- arduous process, but we we've sort of taken our own deviations. We've had a few people on to, to interview and and uh, just to just you know again it's it, just to, to chat with um, and and basically anything about singing, anything about music, anything about and then and then inevitably. Near the end of the episode, we'll probably ask you if you do happen to binge watch anything or, or, or have any weird uh, escapist uh, TV or movie movie going habits. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the important stuff. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, this is Michael and Sarah, and, and we are thrilled for our podcast audience to have Mr. Warren Jones here with us. Such a legend in the voice accompanying world. Sorry, that's our oh. one prop. I That's thought our, you were I, I, like, actually we have doing this props. to yourself. No, 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 I was no. like, you didn't even click, Michael. <laughs> no, we are thrilled to have him, and he's here for an entire week here at Mississippi College. You and I will collaborate uh, on, on the faculty recital, uh, and I think you'll get to. You're singing on the master class. Yes. Yes. I yes. think probably some Finzi. Yes. Yeah. Probably. Probably. So. Um, and then um, I think they both might do a little bit with you with Tyler Kemp on Monday. Uh, so okay, good. Um, good. they're 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 both. Uh, Excellent singers uh, and uh, and working with me on all of our voice pedagogy stuff. So uh, anyway, we are so super stoked to have you. I, I, I was looking at your schedule last night on your website, and I'm always amazed that at at, at how you're able to balance all, all of that. <laughs> uh, just just looking over over just the things you've been doing just in in 2018 so far. And it's amazing to me um, how you find find the time to practice, the time to. Uh, <laughs> it's really remarkable. What, what was the last thing you did? The very last thing you did cut before coming here. Um, <laughs> I know this is going to sound strange, but I don't remember. Let's see. Um, <laughs> no, are you talking strange. about like in terms of a concert or? Sure. Yeah. Anything. The last thing that I did actually that was uh, was that I had to. Uh, do some stuff for. I was just uh, interviewed to become one of the faculty trustees at Manhattan School of Music, where I'm on the faculty. Of course. And um, I'm not used to being interviewed. Uh, sure. For you know, for that type of thing, I'm I'm used to being interviewed. You know, in terms of press interviews and stuff like that. Sure. This was a different kind of interview, and I and so I had to do a little bit of research, which is um, bears talking about. Uh, um, you know, I was met by people who are on the board of trustees there, the nomination and governance committee, and they wanted to talk to me about my 
time at Manhattan School and what I might like to do if I'm on the Board of Trustees and things like that, that type of thing. And it behooves anyone that's going into an interview like that, or for that matter, going and doing an audition, sure. to find out who you're talking to. Oh, absolutely. And to find absolutely. out who you're singing to and find out who you're playing to. Mm-hmm. Not so much because you try to second guess what you might do, but just so that you have a flavor of who they are when you walk into the room. And, and it's, a, it's a really good exercise. It was a very good exercise for me because this was, I knew one of the people in the room and otherwise the other six people were entirely new to me. Mm-hmm. So that when, I, when they introduced themselves to me, I had some idea before we started talking about like where they come from, what they've done, what they're currently involved in and stuff like that. So that wherever the conversation went, I was able to have some idea about you know what their interests are, and that's a very important thing to do. You know, for example, if when you go to sing for an opera company, mm-hmm. it's important to know about the opera company. Yes, it's important to know, for example, what is their playing plan for the next year. For example, what what are the possibilities of what you might be auditioning for, or if it you know to just do. Do a little bit of research, and it doesn't take very long to do that. It just takes it does, takes a little bit of attention on the web and and just finding things out. You don't have to be exhausted about it and make yourself crazy. But you know, <laughs> for example, if you sing, if you're going to sing, for example, for Arizona Opera, let's say, it helps you a great deal to know that they're going to do this opera, this opera, and this musical, so that you have some idea of how to tailor your presentation to them. Mm so that you have the best possibility of getting a job. Because, frankly, I'm all about people getting jobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or we. What a coincidence. (laughs) No, that's absolutely right. I also usually, when when I've mentored doctoral students, I'm always about them trying to find out, once they know who's on the search committee at an institution, who they're going to be talking to in a Skype interview, in an in-person interview, and, and, and even more importantly, even before they consider... Uh, applying for an academic position, do they know the profiles of those faculty so that they even get a sense, is that sort of where my profile as a professional is? Do, would I complement or add to? Or Am I a good fit? Am I a good fit with right. them? Or are they out of my league? Or am I out of, you know, just sort of, just to sort of weigh the territory. Right. And that's absolutely great advice for you. I think so often, especially singers their age, who are, you know, sort of about to hit the young artist circuit, I think so often, because I was guilty of this coming up, I mean, I just got very fortunate that at 21, I sang the right audition for Santa Fe, and that was my first apprentice year with Santa Fe, and I just, you know, but I was a ridiculous, not very good young tenor, but I could sing Amaze on Me, and so, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it worked out. But um, later in my life, my voice fell apart, because I didn't really know how to sing yet, but, you know, it, it, these, these things go this way, but... I, I always tell them, you know, they have to know what the company is about and what the level of artist is. And I think too often our young artists waste money in application fees, not even really knowing if they're sort of where they need to be to be singing for those companies. That's true. But and and to balance that, I hate to sound like devil's advocate here. Please, but by, <laughs> by all means, please to balance do. balance that, you do have to frankly sing for just about everybody that you can sing. No, that's true. See, the, the, the winnowing out, pro- you can't do the winnowing out on your side of the equation until that's right. you have a job, until you have an offer, and then you can s- consider what you want to do. But I'm just saying that it, it you know, it, it behooves you to know a little bit about it, but don't, don't like, don't go because you think, oh, well, they'll never think about me. For example, if they're, if they're doing, let's see, what kind of, what kind of singer are you, Sarah? Like, what kind of uh, opera are you singing right now? I mean, I do mostly superette stuff. I just finished, so like, like a yeah, I'm. I sang "Steal Me, Sweet Thief" at Nats last week. I sang Pamina in our production. She sings last Oscar semester. great. Yeah, I've done Oscar well. Okay, so let's say for example, let's say for example that you know um, you you are going to sing for an opera company that's doing they're doing Valkyrie, and they're doing Madame Butterfly, and they're doing uh, uh, let's see, Idomeneo. Okay. Okay. In the year there yeah. is absolutely in those operas nothing for you to sing. There's not, not anything for you to sing, okay? Now, but, but, so, but, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go sing for them. 
Yeah. Because the fact that you go and sing it just that in a certain way that's freeing for you because you can just go and sing for them in a general information way mm-hmm. so that they, you get in front of them. You know that you're probably not going to get a job out of it. Yeah. But you go and do your best thing so that your name is in their head for the future. Yeah, that makes sense. That when, so that's why I say don't cut yourself off before you're in the game. You got to get in the game and then start doing it. Okay, yeah. Make Makes them sense. familiar with me. Because general mm-hmm. information auditions are sometimes the ones that really pay off that's in right. the long run. That's right. Sometimes, sometimes you just, exactly, exactly. But you, you go and you don't have any pressure per se. You just go and do your best and, and, and say, Okay, hope to, hope to see you another time. That's you know? right. That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's all different kinds of reasons to do an audition. So, you know, don't, like, don't cut yourself off. Yeah. Do it. Sing for everybody. I can tell you in my, I'll just give you my own experience. I was working in San Francisco Opera for three years uh, when I was, I mean, I, I started working there when I was like 22. I was on the music staff at San Francisco Opera. And I, I worked there. Um, and I decided for, for personal reasons, family reasons, I wanted to move back to the East. And I literally got into Musical America and I got the addresses and names and blah, blah, blah of all the opera companies from Boston, Massachusetts to Augusta, Georgia on the okay. East Coast. Okay. okay. And I, wrote I love the, that you had a Musical America reference there, by the yeah. way, which we don't, the print versions, right. which no longer exist. Right. Sorry, go on. But, um, well, but it's the same thing. I mean, you can still yeah, get the yeah, information, yeah. but, you yeah. know. Um, but this was back, this was in the mid-1900s, remember, okay? okay. So this was not like, this was before your mother was born, probably. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say, anyway. Um, I wrote to all of them. They all I had I had a strong a fairly strong resume for my age, and they all gave me an audition. Every one of them said they'd listen. That's to me. great. All right. Okay, they all said yes. Okay, I went and played to every one of them. One play, uh, and I knew which one I wanted. I wanted yeah. Boston. Yeah. Okay. 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 Make that sense. man hated me <laughs> so much I can't even describe to you the the feedback I got, which I got through a mole of mine at a dinner party the following night. Yeah. <laughs> the man who listened to the audition had no idea that he was talking to a friend of mine. Yeah. And the guy walked out of the dinner party and walked to the nearest payphone and called me and said, this is what he thought. And I, and I just hung up and I said, well, you can kiss that goodbye because you are never going to get hired there because he hated me. Yeah. But anyway, out of, the, out of all those auditions, I think there were something like nine auditions. The only place that offered me a job right now is the Metropolitan Opera. Well, darn. <laughs> but, and I did not expect that at all. But yeah. that's what came out of it. Because wow. you, you never know what's going to happen. You just have to... You literally, I think, if, if you if you get biblical about it, you throw the bread on the water, okay, and see what comes back. Yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. So I mean, it makes sense, you, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, someone would remember me, and you don't. I guess you don't know when you're gonna where you're gonna yeah. see people down the line, like where they're gonna end up yeah. either. It's because it's an incredibly small business. That is the truth. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I, I, well, I'll tell you another. See, I love to tell stories, so, you know. All right, that's perfect. This is perfect for us. So a a lady called me who was the wife of a cellist that I knew, and she called me and asked if she could come and work on some stuff with me. She was a singer, soprano. And and I said, sure. And uh, so uh, on her second visit to me, while she was singing, the phone rang. And this was in, again, this was in the days of answer machines. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I had not turned the answer machine on, and so the phone says, so I go out and answer the telephone. And it is one of the artistic advisors at the Metropolitan wanting, saying that next day, the next day, next day, they are gonna record the second act of Parsifal with Levine and the whole company, and one of the flower maidens has had to cancel because she's sick, and oh. they need a flower maiden. Do I know anybody that can do it? Yeah. And I stood there on the telephone, <laughs> and I said, I just stood there on the phone, and I thought for a minute, and I thought, this lady in the living room could do this. She's smart and she can learn that. 
Because she's a very quick study. I could tell she's very intelligent. And I said, actually, someone's standing right here in my apartment that can do that. They, yeah. they, she went straight down to the Metropolitan, sang something. They engaged her. She went overnight and learned one of the Flower Maidens and wow. sang it on the recording. And then ultimately, in the next season, made her debut on the stage. Wow. And you, it's such a small business. You never know who is going to say, I heard this woman sing, and maybe you can use her for Dispina because that someone else calls him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all about, it, there's a great deal to be said about networking, and I have to say, I'm not, the, I'm not a good net, uh, not a good active networker. Sure. I but understand. I, I just never have been, but I appreciate the fact that the network exists. So you don't have to, you don't have to make your network. You have to glom on to the network that's there. That's yeah. such a uh, true statement. And figure you don't have to create it from scratch. You just it's have to have like one good connection. You and have to get, get connected, and then you get that's right, and you get on it. You don't have to create it. Mm, it's not you know like you don't have so to build a wheel. Yeah. You don't have to build a better thing. You mm. just have to get onto it by Find like I said, by in. just singing mm. for everybody that will listen to you sing. Wow. There you go. And see what happens. Hmm. Wow, yes. Makes what sense. a true statement. Yeah. This is great advice for you too. I'm just I know, telling I'm not, you. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I need to actually start like really looking at I don't regional places that I could try to audition. Well, and again, you guys up. both need to hit the young artist circuit next fall. I mean, it's time. Your packages are basically yes. together. You you need to get to get on it. It's Put it's it's time. Yes, mm. it's time. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that no stress. <laughs> I think that it's so it's so oh, just what you're saying. I, I just think it's so valuable. Um, the idea of just just go try just go try because I know that there's such I, I don't know I feel like for our generation and for people people younger than us like so I used to be a used to be a high school teacher and I saw this especially in my high school students uh, this anxiety about getting things perfect it has to be oh, yeah. perfect before I can do it and it's like so you know and I think especially even with the advent of honestly I think a lot about this the advent of like YouTube uh, you know, I, you know, <clears throat> all through college, I grew up, or, you know, my whole adult life, I've been listening to like Franco Corelli sing some stuff. And I'm like, and so I have this thing in my, in the back of my head that says, if I'm not Franco Corelli, I'm nobody, you know, and that's just <laughs> not how it is. Right. That's just not how, and so, but I just love that idea of just, just try, just do it. Just, you'll get there, you know, that's correct. you'll do something. Yeah. Well, you know? I know looking at like young artist programs in the past, I thought, oh, well, you know, I mean, I've literally done that where I go, oh, I'm not ready for that. Like, I just won't audition for that right now. Yeah, There's no way that that would work. Like, I'll audition. Well, I've auditioned for stuff and I've right. done some right. programs, but I mean, I definitely like went ahead and looked. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm so not ready for that. There's no way I could make that. And I don't know. I guess I shouldn't. I, why not? Up. Can I tell you another story? Sure. Yes. Please. So when I'm living, I'm living in San Francisco. I was, I was, I was working and studying. I was on the staff, but also uh, at San Francisco Conservatory of Music, but also studying for a master's degree there in piano. And I took the Fresno Philharmonic. You know where Fresno is mm -hmm. out in the valley. Yeah. Fresno Philharmonic had their annual competition, which the grand prize in that in those days was a thousand bucks, which was like a gazillion dollars. You Look, I'd still take that. All right, exactly. So it's a thousand bucks. So I take five. I go with five singers out to Fresno for this contest. They won the top four prizes and the honorable mention. That's fantastic. <laughs> so it's like they shut out everybody else. <laughs> One of the judges was a man who, uh, a man named Jan Popper, who was a conductor from Czechoslovakia, who was the head of the opera department at UCLA. He came up to me after after the contest, and I played for these five people, and there was no prize for the pianist. I mean, I was just there. I'd gone with them to play for them, and he came up to me and he said, "Young man, do you work in an opera house?" And I said. And I knew who I was talking to. I mean, this man was fairly famous. Yeah. I said, uh, "I said, well, no, I'm, <laughs> I, no, I'm, I can't do that. I'm not, it's not, you know, I don't know not enough." Not that yet. And I, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. what you just said, sir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he said, "Young man, four words." I said, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Learn while you earn." Oh, what like a great said, life go, lesson. Go get a job. And 
So when, when a position at San Francisco Opera was offered to me, mm-hmm. I have to say the first two offers, I said no. Because I didn't, I did not feel that they that I was ready to do those things. Mm-hmm. But the third one that came around, I was tangentially, sort of, maybe a little bit ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you can't keep saying no. Yeah, you got to be careful because if you keep saying no, yeah. they, they don't stop. get they're sure. not interested anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I said, you can this this I can get, and I mm-hmm. said yes. And in short order, I was working there. Wow. That's fantastic. But, but again, you know, it's just about, well, I have, I have to take two, two things. First, about the question of being perfect. <laughs> um, I, uh, I have never, ever suffered under perfectionism. Good for you. I have no Wish. idea about that. I, I have encountered it with people, but I personally have never suffered about that. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Um, but I can, I, I have to tell you that I was coaching a soprano with Metropolitan Opera one time and I stopped her for like the umpteenth time in this first aria and this was a fairly famous lady. <laughs> Whose name we will not say on the podcast. <laughs> and she slammed her, the flat of her hand down on the piano. like, bang, like that. And she said, and there was an expletive and she said, Warren, she said, what do you want? Perfection? And I just, stared at her and you know when people get mad at me I tend to just sort of just like I I generally don't get mad back it's nice I will generally just sort of like okay you're angry okay that's <laughs> and and I and I said and she stared at me like this with this sort of withering glance and I said actually excellence will do yeah <laughs> And, yes. and we both started laughing because the fact is that see I, I never when I say I haven't suffered under being a perfectionist so that's, uh, that's true because I was taught by my high school piano teacher that um, see I always won everything in high school I never I literally never lost a contest wow. in high school I never everything I entered I won and I started to get weird about it because I, and I said to my teacher one time, I said, Mrs. Gale, um, what happens when I lose the first time? I said, I'm, yeah. because I know I'm going to lose sometime. What happens? And she said, Warren, if you go to the contest or go to the audition or go to the performance and do the best you can, you will never lose. Oh, man. You will always win. Mm-hmm. She said, you may not win the prize, but you win for doing your best. At any given moment, do your best. Be excellent. Mm-hmm. And see, that is one of the best life lessons. I, think. I mean, thank it's you for that. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you so much. Because, I mean, like, well, Michael had an experience just this weekend where... We, we had our, our Nats chapter auditions and stuff competition. Michael won his category, but but in the finals, he was very displeased, as was I, with his performance. But it was still good enough. He still he still sang well, and a lot of people still thought he sang well. But I know. Even though I knew it, what it, what, it wasn't what it was in his lesson that week, and it wasn't what or it the was day before, the day before the... in the first round, or whatever. And so just what a wonderful lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, you know, one of the yeah. things I always love about performance is I, I, I'm never looking for perfection anyway. I, I think that's sort of excellence is sort of what I look for. Because one of the things that I always remember as a stage performer is that one little thing that might go slightly wrong that doesn't necessarily, you know, stop the scene or trash anything or whatever. One night we were doing uh, Midsummer Night and I was singing flute when I was young and I had this giant Goldilocks wig on. And of course, you know, it was, it was in the play. So in the play within the play. And so I have, you know, the female, big female outfit on or whatever. I have this wig on and I'm singing it right in the middle of the aria. And he goes, asleep, my love, I'm dead, my love. And he's up here, my sarai. And I threw my head back and the wig went. Oh my gosh. <laughs> about 20 feet backwards. And the director after the show, he's like, did you plan that? I was like, nah, man, that was, that just happened. <laughs> I just, I, I, I've always enjoyed it when stuff just sort of, that little bit of edge that it gives you when you're performing live, 
just having things like that, you know, is one of the great sort of joys for me of live performance. The unpredictable. The unpredictable. I love the unpredictable. And there's also the fact, I mean, if you look at nature, just think, it is the, the little bit of sand mm-hmm. that, the, that the oyster feels, the imperfection mm-hmm. in the oyster's being yeah. that creates the pearl. Mm. Oh, that, oh that's, man. That's true. It is not, uh, if, if the sand didn't get into the oyster, if the little speck of sand didn't get there, <laughs> the pearl would pearl. never be created. That little irritant. That's right. So I have many irritants. <laughs> well, then you're going to be a beautiful you, pearl. You might have a big strand of pearls. <laughs> <in there>. Wow, <laughs> man! <laughs> How incredible! So Sarah was talking about young artist programs. You've had some relationship with Music Academy of the West. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in your schedule from last season. And right. to talk to us a little bit about what what you've done at Music Academy and how you how that came about, or or, or what, or, or if you're going back this summer, sort of what your well, role I'm not is actually. There. I've ended my relationship. Oh, okay, with all right. Well, well, so I, I was I was I was there for 26 years. Oh wow! And I've and I told them at the end of last summer that I would not be coming back. And so I'm I'm looking forward to actually believe it or not. I mean, you know, I'm like I'm well into <laughs> Medicare. You understand? And I have not seen my house in the summertime in 26 years. Oh my and God. I haven't like done normal adult activities because I've been like teaching. All, yeah. And I just decided this year is the start of something different. So you get a summer Bravo break. <laughs> well, I'm still going to do a bunch of stuff. Bravo <laughs> but I'm not. But I'm not going to be. It used to be I enjoyed Santa Barbara because I was there for the longest stretch of time in one place mm-hmm. sure. the whole year. Sure. Because I was never any place, not at home or any yes. other place, for like eight or nine weeks at a time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I could like be in one place and not be on an airplane and stuff like that. But now it's gotten so that this is too long because I, I can be at home and I want to be at home a little bit more and so I'm going to be at home so that. that's good congratulations so, that's awesome. to you on, yeah. on, on, on I'm, very, you. I'm very well pleased and I'm looking forward I'm going to do some very interesting things so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it so, and I'm going to actually see my house in summertime which is a nice thing so now what do you want to know about the music well no I, I just I, I saw it on your schedule like I said I was looking over your schedule I mean what, what was your what was your role there when you in, in, in those 26 years I mean were you just coaching singers or were you conducting some things what were how what was that um one of the things that i liked about my time at the music academy was the fact that i asked for and they gave me uh a very wide range of opportunities Mm -hmm. so that because see at a certain point well let's see remind me that we're going to come back to this okay (laughs) see i think i think that the secret to one's success is finding as early as possible finding what one can do better than anything else yes and you just literally beat people over the head with that okay and just do that and do it and do it and do it and do it until you are the person that they think of when they think of that activity Okay, yeah. Okay. If it's like singing Tonio in Daughter of the Regiment, fine. <coughs> if that's your ticket to opera companies, then you sing Tonio in Daughter yeah. of the Regiment right until you are blue in the face yeah. and think, I can't stand this any longer. But see, the thing is that you get an entree into the mm-hmm. into the company, and then at a certain point, you 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 literally get the ability to say, if you would like for me to sing Tony, I'd actually also like to sing Nemorino. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're big enough. You can do it. You see what I mean? But yes. you only get that leverage by doing something really well, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, anyway, so early in my career, the only thing that I, the thing that I concentrated on doing was making music with singers. Okay. And that was, that was the entire extent of what I, as a pianist. And that was what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, at a certain point, I wanted to do something other than that. And at the music academy, they were glad to give me the chance to do that. So my time at the music academy evolved into playing, playing and coaching chamber music, which I love playing chamber music, and and teaching, working with singers, working with young pianists because I love to teach. 
I also played occasionally some solo music. I did all different kinds of stuff. And eventually I conducted a couple of their operas there okay. in the summer times because I was interested to do it and they were interested to have me. And, you know, so I, I, I really enjoyed my time there. The Music Academy uh, has historically had a fairly balanced approach towards stuff. It is not all opera, it is not all it is not all art song, it's not all oratorio, it's not all this, it's sure. not all that. It's literally <coughs> a taste of everything. Mm-hmm. And it has again historically been sort of the last best place to go before you say, I want to do opera. <laughs> See what I mean? Yes. It's like yeah. Because you get you get the possibility to do opera there, but you still have to do some art song. You have to sing, mm-hmm. you know. You have to do other stuff. You have to take acting. You have to take, you know. I mean, oh, you have to take all this stuff. I mean, yes. there's. And so that that was that was my viewpoint about that. The the music academy has traditionally been centered around the idea of public master classes, yeah, mm-hmm. which has mm-hmm. been a very big benefit for the public there because that public is incredibly erudite about what's going on on stage. Not only from the singing viewpoint, from the dramatic standpoint, because they have literally every summer, every week, they come and learn from some stage director, some coach, some singer, you know, whatever. They learn about all these things. And so Mm -hmm. they're very astute about what they're watching and all that. And that only heightens the experience too, because the, the masterclass situation when you're giving public master classes, I mean, as a teacher in a public master class, I have to be aware of who's standing in front of me, who's playing the piano, but I also have to, and what they're doing, and yes. what that means, and where they are, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But one also has to be very aware of the fact that there are 400 people sitting there who want to learn something. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. And so, and I, I like, the challenge of speaking meaningfully to the people on stage why, and, and at the same time having the, the 400 behind me that are there to learn understand what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, a, lo- a lot of teachers, fra- I, I'm being just frank about this, a lot of teachers are unable to do that. Yes. No. A lot of master class teachers either speak to the stage or speak to the audience mm-hmm. and then it's not a very um, what's the word? It's not a very organic sort of experience. That's right. mean, some people get something out of it and other people are left out in the cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did um, Songfest last summer, and a lot of that is master classes. And by a lot, I mean most of it is master classes you go and sit in. And it was something that um, the other people there and I, we talked about that some people were really great. We really enjoyed going to their master classes because even sitting in the audience, you got so much out of it. I felt like, I mean, you would take notes. But then there were the few that you could tell just maybe it wasn't their forte to present a master class because you're sitting there. And while you could tell they were doing really great things with the singer, with the pianist, you could you there was nothing that you felt like you could apply from that you didn't glean anything and you kind of went away like well i mean i guess i learned something like i wish i had gotten more so i i get what you mean like and then there's those master classes that we've all sat in that are really not about the singer or the audience at all but are very much look at how fancy i am (laughs) and it's just the you know it's just the least helpful for anybody (laughs) well when i sang this right when i sang this (laughs) when so this is just a question that i don't know the answer to so uh, um did the chamber group that you play with come out because it's out west did it come out of music academy somehow even camarada pacific yeah uh yes my connection to Camerata came about because one of my colleagues at the Music Academy, Donald McGinnis, I don't know if you know his name or not. No, I, I do not. Well, you know, violists know who Don McGinnis is because sure. Don is like a totally like world famous violist and, and an incredibly famous teacher. Violists are a tight knit group because they all get the same jokes made. That's right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's true. And um, anyway, uh, I played some things with Don, you know, in the summertime, and he was a member of Camerata. Uh-huh. And, okay. and he suggested to the man who ran Camerata that he come and hear a performance that we did of something, I don't know what, what it was. And uh, Adrian came and listened, and um, shortly after that he invited me to, you know, come and be, you know, come and play with the group. He asked me, 
he asked me immediately if I would be a member of the group, and I said no, uh-huh. uh, because I just didn't have I didn't have that much time to do that. Sure. But I, I very much enjoy the group, and eventually I did become a member of it, and I'm the principal pianist now, So, wow. um, which means that I go, most years I go three times, they have like eight concert, mm-hmm. eight concert series in the year, and I, and I do three of them. Um, this year I'm only doing two because of his, his scheduling considerations, but next year I'll do three again, and the year after that I'll do three. So, Was it, was it a, I forget if it was one of those concerts I saw you did... I, th- I think it was on one of those. You did a Auf dem Strom with Susanna Phillips? No, that was at the Music Academy. That was at Music Academy. Okay, she and I apprenticed together in, in, in Santa Fe. Uh-huh. Uh, and I is forget. it true that her mother went to school here? Yes. In fact, her cousin currently is a student oh, okay. here at oh, Mississippi that, uh, Rebecca. Okay, yeah. Yes. Uh, in fact, I think, I want to say before I got here, this is only my third year here, I want to say Susanna did a master class here in Jackson somewhere, maybe on campus even, um, for Mississippi Opera, for our local NAS chapter. Some, I'm not really sure, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. We, she, Susanna and I sang about six measures of recitative together in, in apprentice scenes that, that year because we were doing, a couple of the other guys and I were doing the Conspirators trio from William Tell, uh-huh. and the director uh, wanted to add some softness because it was so much testosterone all the time she wanted to add some softness so we did the little wretched that happens before it <laughs> very good uh, <laughs> and so that was that was my well, to give you an idea Sarah when I said it's a small world this is no kidding it's a small world so, so for example you were telling me that, that Susanna's cousin is now a student here mm-hmm. yes Susanna's father who is a very well known doctor mm-hmm. was the doctor to my great aunt no way Alabama. Oh, and you know it's, it's very strange how different things Connect. come around I mean, well, you never, you don't ever know exactly what's going on. It's just like there is, there's this web of stuff all around you. So oh it's very my weird. Goodness, oh, yeah. that's such a southern thing. I didn't even think about that. That like finding the connections because I mean, for example, like if my grandmother were here, she would find someone that y'all knew in common. She would be like, "Now, who are your people?" It's a big phrase. <laughs> who, who are your people? Who are your people? Well, that's what they ask. In the professional music world, it's that's very common. I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. just sort of. Uh, that's yeah. sort of life through the professional music world. Where do you go after you leave MC? Do you go back to do some teaching in Manhattan? Or are you... <laughs> I used to remember all this stuff in my head. I don't remember anything now. <laughs> that's what phones uh, are That's great. That's great. I think, let's see. Um, well... I saw that you just did some faculty recitals with Anthony Griffey. Right, we did. At, at Eastman and then at, at, Manhattan, at Manhattan. What did you all do on that program? I'm just curious. Um, what was... Okay, what was that program? We're that program was, <laughs> we did some songs of Charles Griffiths, because I'm a big advocate of Griffiths. Okay. And I played a big solo piece of his. I don't know enough of his music. Role. I need to look at more of it. It's it's rather amazing music, I think. It's, you know, it, I, I'll tell you, I can tell you about him. Anyway, um, and then we did a group of Ives. Okay, great. And oh including the song of the Gambolier, which I don't know if you know that piece of but it, at Manhattan, at, at Eastman School, he had all of his private students do the kazoo chorus. Mm-hmm. Nice. And at Manhattan School, I had my seminar people, play you know, nice. play, right. it, play it from the auditorium, so, because it, it has a huge part for kazoo chorus at the end. Yeah, how can you leave <laughs> and, that out? <laughs> exactly, and, and I especially loved the reaction of one of my, one of the singers in my seminar, who is um, uh, from mainland China, and she had never seen nor heard a kazoo. Of a kazoo. Oh, that's great! Well, and, that had to and when, be and a surprise. She, she blew into it, and, I, and nothing happened. And <laughs> and then I said, "No, no, Hongni, you have to phonate while you blow." You know, like, <laughs> hum. and she went hmm, like that. And, huh, oh, like that. <laughs> it was great. And oh, now, now I said. That. You see, this is one of the reasons why you came to America was to, to learn to play the kazoo. kazoo. That's right, because you're not going to learn that in Beijing. Oh, it's a special Sorry, skill Ma. you can take what did home. You, what did you learn in music school in America? Well, they taught me the dignified art of the kazoo. kazoo. Right. I don't have any kazoos in my studio. I do have a duck call, but I don't oh. have any kazoos. Oh, right. oh, gosh. And then after the intermission with the American String Quartet, we did um, 
in, at Manhattan School we did with the American Quartet the piece on Winlock Edge. I of, sing Winlock. It's uh, one of my. He's heard me sing Winlock. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd like to hear you sing it again. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. No. We did that in in, Man, in in Eastern School we did it with the Ying Quartet, which is the mm-hmm. resident quartet mm-hmm. there. So. But. Yeah, the uh, Breeden Hill just that. that it, oh. That's a killer song. Oh yeah, my goodness gracious! Yeah. You know what I always found interesting about that too was. That I, I read somewhere, and I forget exactly the source, so forgive me for not citing the source, but I read that, that Ravel had said that Vaughn Williams was the one person who actually never sounded like Ravel. The one of his students that didn't sound at all like Ravel. And if there's anything that sounds like Ravel to me, it's that movement of Vaughn Williams. That's a little bit of that. that so you ask what I'm doing. Yes, yes, please. So now that I've had a Please, change. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, wh- Coming up, I'm very well pleased that I'm going to participate in a benefit in New York on, which is like a week after I get back. Excellent. There's something that week too, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, um, but uh, the week after I get back, there's an organization called If Music Be the Food of Love, which is they're they're starting now. They're this is their first concert in New York. They're in many cities in the United States already. It is basically a food pantry. They they organize. Uh, they're like a food bank and given the need that a lot of people have for that these days I mean it is a very valuable yes and um, the program is gonna be given downtown in Manhattan Um, we're gonna do I'm gonna play the Brahms clarinet trio Mm -hmm. with a couple of colleagues from the Metropolitan Opera and uh, then after the intermission they're gonna play the Mendelssohn octet with several students uh, like three students from Juilliard and then people from the New York Philharmonic Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really fun concert. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. I think it's an important thing that at a certain point that if you have the possibility to help out mm-hmm. in yeah. the community in that way, you know, I mean, it's a fun thing to play the Brahms trio because I love that piece. Yeah, of course. Of course, if I get that one octave passage in the last one right, it will be you know, a miracle, but whatever. <laughs> but I know what I have I to understand. do. So it's as, as you would say, it's only a question of doing it, right? <laughs> I know what I have to do. Now just shut up and sit down. You're not Right now, I'm, I'm in the middle of we're, I'm about to do Pong and Turandot with Mississippi Opera. and okay. I, It's my first professional Mario role I've ever done. Okay. And, you know, it's in town, so it was easy gig and learning the end of that trio all that italian which i'm not going to try to do in italian right now is just kicking my butt so i are they doing the same complete are they doing cuts or we are not doing the cuts you're doing so you're doing the whole thing doing the whole scene because it's such beautiful music do you know this music it's so beautiful well, so I, I'm, I'm so grateful that I know the, I already knew the yeah. music really well just because Turandot's one of my favorite operas. And, uh-huh. you know, of course, any tenor dreams of singing Caliph one day, blah, blah, blah. But so I know the music really well, but I've never looked at their Italian. Right, right. <laughs> Which is not as easy as I thought it might have no. been. I thought, the only words for, I thought the only words for tenor in that whole opera were Vincero, Vincero, Vincero. <laughs> That's right. And Yeah, She says all throughout the first act. <laughs> Um, no, that is in fact not the case. <laughs> Holy cow! Um, so since we have you here, we have to ask you: Do you do any? Do you do anything? W- w- so one of the things we talk about a lot because we're all sort of pop culture nerds. Yeah. When we sit around and talk, if we're not talking about singing or voice pedagogy or voice science, we end up talking about our love for Star Wars. We have a great love for Star Wars. Yoda sits up on on, on the shelf up here. We have a great love for Marvel movies. We have a great love for Doctor Who. And basically any sort of, you know, thing Nerd nerdy. Thing. But do you do know. do you do any sort of, uh, just, just to let your mind rest a little bit? Do you read anything? Do you watch anything just to sort of let your mind go? And it doesn't have to be like sci-fi. It, no, it could be anything. Um, yeah, well, I, uh, I do things that are decidedly not pop culture. We might do that too. We're ready. Because I use my brain a fair amount. The the only brain activity that I do that's intentionally brainy when I'm not doing music Mm -hmm. is crossword puzzles. Oh, fantastic! I do like some mathematic puzzles, like Sudoku. Uh, I'm not crazy about Sudoku. I like okay. Ken Ken, for example, oh, uh-huh, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, but I do like crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzles are are fun for me, partly because of the prejudice of the language. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if y'all know what I mean by that or not. I mean, see the uh, 
mathematic puzzles are not prejudiced. Yeah, uh, they math. are they are just logical and mm -hmm. and the numbers are the numbers and they add up or they don't add up. Right. Yeah. A crossword puzzle is much more reflective of the prejudice of the of the of the experience and the prejudice of the creator uh -huh. and of the solver. Uh -huh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What your and vocabulary is. What, what my vocabulary from. is, what my experience like, is, yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Associate. How how I associate and and it's yeah. like finding different ways to associate things. So yeah. that, that's an interesting exercise huh. for Like me. an idiom down south might be not be an idiom out somewhere else, and so I wouldn't know that this is even a word that exactly. you would okay. use okay. in that exactly. that's what they are. So interesting. You know what that um, reminds me? No, go, sorry, go ahead, Fitter, please. And, 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 but otherwise, I like to do fairly mindless activities, which oh, include, like, I like to do cardio exercise sure. and some, you know, mm -hmm. some strength training and stuff like that because I don't really have to think about anything, what I regard as anything of substance, because it's mostly about uh, listening to and paying attention to my breath mm -hmm. ah. and how that and how my body is working and, yeah, and stuff like that and getting attuned to that. Some people do yoga. And right. Yeah. Huh. I also focusing. enjoy, for example, believe it or not, I like chopping wood. No, that's fun. I, I did that for the first time last year, and it's so fun. Okay, I didn't no. think it would be, and I like it. I have, I have a, I have a, a, an oak in the backyard that's over 100 feet tall, and so when it does its end of summer shedding and cutting up the limbs that it does, it's very, very yeah, therapeutic. Wait, wait till it falls over and you get to cut it all up. And you can split especially, it. Especially if it's an oak down here. You're gonna have some serious work. No, really. I remember going out to Colorado. To, I went. I went to visit yeah. a friend who had a house out in like Estes Park, Colorado. You know, it's up like a mile and a half high, right? Mm -hmm. And and he said he knew that I liked to split wood, and he needed some wood split for the fireplace. And so he said, "There's this, you know, bunch of, you know, wood out there. Mm -hmm. Would I go out and split it?" Well, I mean, the density of the wood at a high altitude is way less than the density of a wood at this altitude. Oh, really? And oh, it I just, didn't know that. Yes, because it just doesn't grow the same. It's like when you cook at high altitude. Yeah, exactly. sure. It changes how exactly. you bake. Well, I didn't know this. So, you know, I have these, <laughs> there are these fairly substantial pieces of wood there that I yeah. thought would take a pretty good whack. Well, it just, it didn't, it was like, you know, you touch Slicing it with the through. axe and it splits. You know, and, and I thought, this is like no exercise. <laughs> these these <laughs> people who are splitting wood up here have no idea what it is like yeah. to split an oak log. <laughs> that's <Nope>. why. <laughs> so anyway, but, so that's so I I tend to do things like that. That's awesome. Like you know, your crossword puzzle thing reminded me, and who knows, you may have been a part of this, but I remember I, when I was in Santa Fe, one of my great thrills was getting to work with with Nico. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember him telling me about playing Scrabble in multiple languages at the same time. Nope. Whoa, nope. All right. I'll just leave that for him. <laughs> Talk about a guy who could solve a crossword puzzle oh, fairly, yes. fa okay. fairly quickly. Uh, oh, but he used to tell me about about sitting backstage sometimes and playing Scrabble in multiple languages. Multiple languages. Which I, I I will confess, as as a classical singer, my sort of downfall is that my brain never has processed speaking a foreign language well. It's just never been my, it's never been, my brain just doesn't quite fire. I, I do okay in German, but it's just been my, it's been my downfall, especially romance languages. Okay. They just somehow don't fire in my brain grammatically. Really? Uh, so I really have to memorize what it is that I'm, right. what it is that I'm saying. Uh, and, and I just was thinking about that, trying to think of words playing Scrabble. I who always would even be willing to play with someone who admitted other coaches to playing of the Metropolitan in Opera? <laughs> I mean, if you came up to me and you were like, yeah, I like to play Scrabble in different languages, I'd be like, well, I'm you not, just go you have just fun, fun doing that. that. You just <laughs> stay away from me. Good luck with um, yeah. So at the end of every episode, we do this little thing that we do, just sort of one thought where we do takeaways, um, where just, just one random thought or, or something that we talked about today that sort of stuck out um, and and I'll start with these guys so that, that we just have a second. Uh, you don't have to share anything if you don't want. Yeah. But um, also we do we have another uh, we have one podcast gimmick. What'd you have for breakfast? Oh well, you know those protein granola bars I've been having. Yes. I had one of those. I think I'm gonna have to switch it up. Literally, just the thought of those granola bars now kind of makes me want to be sick. So I'm thinking maybe it's time to move on. That's my wife's like that. She can't. I can't do that eat something thing. for breakfast. See, I eat the exact same thing for breakfast every day. So I, I, I just don't know how you. Well, I've I I th this year this this academic year I've lost about 65 pounds or so. Bro. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and I eat I eat a very controlled breakfast. Actually, now I'm doing intermittent fasting, so I only eat breakfast and lunch. Uh, but but um, I eat a half. I just said this on the podcast. I think last week I eat a half a cup of, a half a cup of raw oats, 
uh, half a cup of walnuts, one scoop of protein powder, one scoop of chia, a splash of cinnamon, a splash of almond milk, and then I blend that together basically into sort of something that resembles a porridge almost. Uh, and, and that's my that's my breakfast. That is word for word. Good for you. What you told Nancy Mariah Bala. Yeah, what's well, the exact same thing? No, I mean even even down to even down to and then I blend that so it creates something almost <laughs> sort of resembles a porridge. Yeah, yeah. In so that exact, we can make T-shirts for now the podcast. podcast land. I like Here's to be, I like to be very controlled. Sort of resembles a porridge. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. My wife will tell you it doesn't look very appealing. I think it tastes delicious. But she would tell you it doesn't look very... As someone who has seen the inside of your fridge and has seen these little jars, no, it does not. Oh, that's that's actually when I do overnight oatmeal. I don't... I, that, Whatever, that, I that's use, not Overnight oatmeal. Sometimes I do these same products and don't... If I put them in overnight, I don't blend them then. Well, still does not look appealing. Just anyway. Takeaways. Takeaway. My takeaway is this. If you ever think... Did you just tongue click? He did. I did. I'm just too... My arm doesn't reach that far. I'll do it to myself. We're trying to stop Michael from tongue clicking. We're trying to break him of this. He clicks. That thing. He hasn't done it much today, but usually it's every few sentences he clicks. So we've been breaking him of it. It's conversational filler. It's really... I'm not even aware that I do it Sorry. My takeaway is this. If you ever think that that what you're doing is not worth it or not... Not worth pursuing. Remember, people spent millions of dollars and years of their lives making a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine, and then they made a sequel, and they made a lot of money off of it. They made a lot of money off of it. So the fact is, your idea is probably better and more worthwhile than Hot Tub Time Machine or Hot Tub Time Machine 2. So you have no excuse, and neither do I. Oh, my goodness. Wait, can I have two? Because I have a thoughtful one, and then a, like, this is what I've been thinking about. by all means. My thoughtful one is, I guess, like, we just need to put ourselves out there. I mean, that's what I actually literally yeah. took away from this yes. talk is sometimes you just got to do things and then my not is we get to see Avengers Infinity War a whole, a week, whole week earlier early than we fun. thought yes we'll we address this at another day and if, you, if you haven't watched the Marvel Studios Twitter feed from yesterday from which would have been March the 2nd first first Go look at the Marvel Studios Twitter feed and look what they and Robert Downey Jr. did yesterday to announce it. Yeah. It was pretty it's great. It's pretty creative. My takeaway, I just want to say what an honor it has been for yes. Focal Fry here in our inaugural year to have a living legend like Warren <laughs> yes. Jones. And what incredible wisdom you shared both with yeah. these two, but then for us, for the record, I mean, seriously, thank you for being it's willing to sit, sit with us. Is there a final thought you'd like to share with us? Mm, no, just go do it. Ah, just go do it. Fantastic, everybody. Thank you. It's been a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Woo!